This is a sex pot comedy production. Recording and I'll just oh. start us when we start. Oh, we're going. We only started going like ten seconds ago. We're going right now, or six seconds ago, according to the machine. <laughs> Every time I turn my head to my the left, my voice goes down. Da da da. Oh, Lauren, we're podcasting. Oh, hi. Oh, ha- oh, hello. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. We read so many books in preparation for this. So many books. So many, all of them. And listened to uh, so many musical soundtracks. And it's true. I personally observed a lot of children from a safe and respectful distance. <laughs> it's not, not in a creepy way. Not in a creepy way at all. Um, eh. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming to you for the first time in a while, uh, at the end of a long day. At the so, end of a long day. So please uh, forgive us. <laughs> Lauren has a cup of coffee, and I have a can of Bing, which is not Red Bull, but yay Bing for Brought sponsoring. Brought to you by Denver Improv Festival. Right? They should sponsor us. They're pretty mm-hmm. great. I'll probably cut all this stuff out about them sponsoring us, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we haven't had some sort of highly caffeinated beverage. Um, sponsor us yet. Right? I it's can't. been a goal of ours since Boss started. Since and day negative 22, we've wanted a caffeinated beverage sponsor. Right. I am, I'd like to point out that I have a tiny dog who is snoring on my lap. Yes, if you guys hear any sounds that sound like a sawmill, it's our <laughs> dog. It's my dog. It's my husband's dog. He has nestled his little nose into the crook of my elbow, and um, I may not be able to focus. Uh, it's really adorable. He's pretty cute. Speaking of dogs, I said we had to talk about dogs, the Netflix show, on air, not on to each other. Because oh, I was too right. sad, or I didn't want to ruin it. Right. Because um, you're watching it, and I'm watching it. Yes. Um, although, apparently, I have watched the ones that make me cry a lot. And you watched the episode that did not. Well, we were looking at the menu last night, and like, we're just like, no, that first one looks sad. Oh, yeah. Second one looks sad. And Jeff's like, can we just skip to the one, straight to the one where the dogs are wearing costumes? And yes. Jeff is like, yes. The answer to that is yes. Um, that's how I spent a lot of my Thanksgiving as well, is with the uh, dog show. Ah. Uh, but this is not a podcast about dogs. It is not a podcast about dogs, it no is. matter how incredibly cute they are. It's true. But this does tie into Netflix, because on the 27th, that was like two days ago, it was announced that Netflix is doing animated versions of all the Roald Dahl books. Yes, which is very exciting. Well, especially and if they use like the Quentin Blake That's what I wanted to talk about. I find them so charming. So charming and so borderline creepy. Right. But not, which is kind of Roald Dahl's books. Yeah, Yeah, but not like. Just creepy enough. (laughs) Just scary enough. Mm -hmm. Just frightening enough. Well, and the kids all kind of look like kids because their hair's standing up and they've Mm -hmm. got like funny little bangs that are asymmetrical. No. They clearly, Matilda looks like she cut her hair herself. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, they kind of have that, um, like, unfortunateness of, like, Peanuts children. Oh, yeah, just not with the giant heads, though. Like, the Matilda kids have normal-sized but, but heads. actual child-sized heads. Um, oh, hey, guys, I'm Jessica Austin. Oh, I'm Lauren Ballman. And this is Required Readcast. <laughs> A podcast where we ramble for several minutes before we get to the point, where which we- is that today we're talking about Matilda by Roald Dahl. By Roald Dahl. And uh, I was listening to a podcast last night from the BBC. It was actually about him um, by his granddaughter, Sophie, like from the BFG. Oh. But um, she pronounced her grandfather's name Ruald. Oh, so I've been saying it wrong no, this whole I, time. Every American I've ever met says Roald. So I'm not going to be that dipshit who's like, it's Ruald. 
Because um, <laughs> I worked when I, my first job ever was receptionist at a biotech company because that's what you do when you're 14. Of course. What? Yeah. My parents forced me to get a summer job and they're like, you're going to go be a receptionist at a biotech Please firm. Please tell me they made you wear like, oh. like tiny, like power suits and pantyhose and like packed like your lunch in like a little briefcase? I did go business casual <laughs> and I hated every second of it. But there was one chick who, uh, the regular receptionist who I would fill in for on her lunch breaks, mm-hmm. who um, uh, stuffily told me, it's not pronounced Anne Rand, it's pronounced Ayn Rand. Oh. And I was like, well, go fuck yourself. And that's the moment you started hating Ayn Rand. Yeah. <laughs> and I hated her ever since. Um, I wonder if Matilda, no, Matilda wouldn't have been, Ayn Rand was writing after Matilda would have been a little kid. I don't feel like, because Matilda, in the list of books that she reads, she reads Tess of the fucking Durbavilles. I know. Um, it's hysterical. I really wanted her to have some harsh commentary on it. It's missing. But. Yeah, there's like a missing chapter just about <laughs> Matilda's opinion on Tess of the Durbavilles. She like, solidly burns Tess of the yeah. that's, what's been, that's the one thing missing from Matilda. Uh, yeah, she just needs Solid to Tess hate. of the Durbavilles <laughs> Um, Matilda is a really, really great book. And all these people are like, we're so excited you guys are doing Roll Doll. Or Rule Doll. Rule Doll. Yeah, you found a good summary of the book though, right? <laughs> I did. I found a fun one. We haven't we haven't visited Schmoop in a while. And um, they make things funny. And I enjoy this. I won't read the whole thing because it is very long. But meet Matilda. She lives with her mean parents. We mean they're mean on mean. They ignore her, which is extra tragic because she's shaping up to be a super genius. In spite of them, she teaches herself to read and heads to the local library where Mrs. Phelps sets her up with a very advanced reading list. Sure, Matilda's home life stinks, but she's a clever girl, so she decides to play tricks on her parents whenever they behave badly. She plays three pranks, gluing her dad's hat to his head, disguising a neighbor's parrot as a ghost, and dyeing her dad's hair blonde. Yes, these are as awesome as they sound. Um, it goes on for quite a while, but those are some of the best parts. Talks about Miss Honey. We all love Miss, Miss Honey. Turns out Miss Honey is really poor. She tells Matilda about her past. After her mom died, her mean aunt straight up ruined her life. Oh, and by the way, her aunt is the Trunchbull. We're totally serious. So yeah, that's just a little bit of a brief summary. Uh, my, tweet length, my tweet length summary. Thank you, Schmoop, by the way. They write the best Oh, summaries. hey, thanks, Schmoop. Oh, hey, Schmoop. Uh, my tweet length summary is tiny telekinetic bookworm super genius gets revenge on <laughs> shitty adults. <laughs> Mine is books have power. Well, books and telekinesis. So we both have telekinesis <laughs> themes. Um, yeah, thank you, Schmoop. By the way, your website is full of cookies. So we had to click on a lot of shit to get to that summary. <laughs> but Thanks. it was worth it. Thanks for your free website. Yeah. Uh, when did you first read this? I first read Matilda because I had a box set of Rolled Doll books. Mm-hmm. Ruled Doll books. Oh, and I read through most of them, and I don't remember when it was. Um, but she wasn't sort of like the forefront. Like, I liked her, but I think my favorite Rolled Doll book was The Witches. Oh. Uh, and that's one I didn't read as a kid. Have you read it since you're an adult? Yes. It's really good. It um, is. Um, I think that I can't remember now, but I think Matilda was my first one of his. It was either this or James and the Giant Peach, but I can't remember what came first. There's something about the giant bugs in James and the Giant Peach that freaked me out. I was like, I can't. (laughs) And then also like they were living inside of a giant peach and we had apricot trees in my yard when I was a kid and those fuckers just fell on the ground and like rotted. So I was like, that's disgusting. You think there were like societies living in them? Or were you just grossed out that anyone had to live in a rotting peach? I think I was just grossed out that anyone had to live in a rotting peach. Like they're not my favorite textured food. Kind of creeps me out. No, the worlds he's created, I've actually never read 
uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've never read any of the Willy Wonka because wasn't there more than one? Yeah, because he wrote Great Glass Elevator or Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator yeah. as a sequel. But um, I feel like I've read most of his the big ones. Uh, well, he's super interesting too. Like his style is so cool mm-hmm. because, like you pointed out, um, you know he kind of writes these wonderful kids and then like kind-hearted adults and then really shitty adults. Uh-huh. And it's so clear what a story is like a rolled doll story because it's. Uh, Dark, but comically dark. Yes. Well, and I remember when I read this, I think I was probably like nine or ten when I picked it up. And it was really the first time that as a child I was introduced to, oh, adults don't know everything. And, oh, adults can be really terrible. And just that notion of kids being the smarter ones was something that I had never read before. And I'd never seen parents or adults like this, like that are in like the Wormwoods. It was like, who the hell are these people? Right. Um, It was just a really, but I like that he doesn't sugarcoat any of that. Mm -hmm. It was, it's just a, this is who these people are and they're awful. (laughs) Yeah, they're awful, awful humans. Um, Or really wonderful, like Miss Honey or um, Miss Phelps. But... I just remember that very much sticks out to me in my mind as like a first experience with this book of really being blown away by that dynamic as a kid because it was just unlike anything I'd ever read. Yeah, well, and because his nice adults are the adults who like talk to kids and treat them as human beings and mm-hmm. equals. Like, and his shitty adults are the people who look down on kids and like and think they can't do anything and why do they matter and yeah, and that's like a, that's thematic across all of his books. Yeah. Um, but so real quick, Roald Dahl, or Ruled, if you are Norwegian, was uh, <laughs> born September 1916. Uh, his parents were Norwegian, and his dad immigrated to Wales, and then his mom followed mm. when, with Roald and some siblings. Uh, one th- so the BBC podcast that I listen to, we'll link it in our Twitter, um, follow, is, has a lot of interviews with his own voice. So it's him on TV programs and him getting interviewed and talking about his experiences. So cool. So cool. And one of the biggest standouts is that he was sent off to school. Um, his mom didn't want to send him to a boarding school, but like everybody kind of was like, no, that's how we do it. So say, God, say bye to your kids. And he was so like hugely horrified that by the fact they like used corporal punishment and how mean the big kids were um, and how mean the teachers were. And he had this one incident where he tells about um, he and some buddies went down to the local candy shop run by, oh, what is her name? I love her name. I'll find it in a second. Oh, the local candy shop. Well, yeah, the local candy shop. Um, and they, the owner was really bitchy to him, so they took a dead mouse and put it in the jar of gobstoppers. Oh, no. And then she found out and came to the school, and he and his buddies were all, like, called into the headmaster's office, and they were caned, I think, like, five smacks on the butt with a cane, and Roald Dahl was going last, and he said he's, he was... He was getting his pants pulled down, about to get smacked. Like the kid looked, and he noticed the candy shop lady was in the corner. She's like, "That's the most beastly one, Wallop him, headmaster!" And you're like, "What? What is she doing here? What is she doing there?" So, like, that is almost directly something out of one of his stories. Oh um, no! Uh, but I love, 
love all of these things. And also when he got a little older and was still at boarding school, the local Cadbury factory sent candy to his school somewhat regularly so he could sample it. Or not he specifically, but like they would test new recipes on the boys at the school. And so he had like this dream that he would invent this chocolate and Mr. Cadbury would notice oh. him. Like when when you have a second a car and people listening, listen to this podcast. I know. Like, I tried. Oh. I made several attempts today and my phone was not having it. So Your I'm going to have to do it when I can sit at the computer and use that because apparently my phone was not interested. Um, but a lot of the stuff, too, is also available in his autobiography, Boy, Tales of Childhood. No. Um, well, let's just quickly go through a little more Roald Dahl stuff. I don't want to get too stuck on it. Um, oh, no. He's, he's a fascinating... He's worth talking about. I actually found it really interesting that he wrote Matilda so late in life. I had to, I did a double take when I read that um, because this came out in 1988 and he passed away in 1990. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and because his life goes back so long. I mean, he was a boy in the late 20s, early 30s, mm-hmm. and then he graduated. And to see the world, he went and applied to be... Um, to, for the army, or not the army, excuse me, that's later, to work with Shell Oil. And I guess he was going for the application, and one of his teachers, and I think I got this from this podcast, was like, what are you doing that for? You're not going to get one of those positions. There were like five, and all of like the best kids in school were going for him. But he was a heavyweight boxing champion at his school. <laughs> and that, even for, like he says, because of that, he got hired. He got picked to be one of the five people hired on to go, go to Africa and work for Shell Oil. So that's cool. Yeah. And then when he was down there, um, the war broke out. And so he drove to Nairobi, I think, and joined up. And so he fought in Africa in World War II, where his plane crashed. (laughs) Um, And he survived, but like went blind and like managed to crawl crawl away from the crash before it exploded. Whoa. Uh, And then he was a spy in the U.S. (laughs) Like his job was uh, uh, trying to like figure out what FDR was thinking and report back to Churchill to be like, the Americans think this. He was Uh, just like an everyman. (laughs) He was an everyman. And they say that he was like kind of a womanizer. And like he had an affair with Claire Booth Luce, uh, author of The Women. Um, And like had all of these affairs. And they think that, and while he was quote unquote spying, that's my dog squeaking his squeak toy. (laughs) He, um, he, uh, one of the other spies was Ian Fleming. Oh. Who wrote James Bond. Mm -hmm. So everybody thinks that like, not everybody thinks, but people are like, Will Dahl, womanizer, James Bond. Hmm. Interesting. He's the original James Bond. And he's also six foot six. That's very tall. So there's a lot. Like, he's spying and he's in America and whatever. <laughs> um, and somebody, a famous British author, asked him for, to recount his story about cra- his crash in Africa. Uh-huh. And uh, Roald Dahl's like, okay, yeah, um, uh, sure. Wait, it'd be easier if I wrote it down. You can, I'll write it for you. And this famous author was going to compile it into a story. And he was like, actually, I didn't change a word. Here's $1,000. And we're just publishing your story as you said. <laughs> so he's like, whoa, I'm good. I'm writing. Great. And Roald Dahl originally called his story a piece of cake, and it was renamed to Shot Down Over... (laughs) Yeah, like, definitely. Here, Shot Down Over Libya. Very opposite. Very opposite. (laughs) And I believe he was not shot down. I think he ran out of gas. So that starts... um, They wanted to make it dramatic. He's a little hyperbolic. Some people have pointed out. Um, but his first children's book was The Gremlins in 1943. 
And that was, you know that Twilight Zone episode and Simpsons episode where you see the gremlin like uh, fucking with the plane on the outside? Oh, yeah. That's uh, kind of inspired by Roald Dahl. So I technically, Simpsons. There's a little bit of a Simpsons bit. Yes. Okay, good. Well, that means his, I mean, his career, writing career expanded over 40 years then. Yeah, he which was. Which is pretty crazy. Pretty incredible. Um, but Matilda is a, is a standout. Yes. I had to read it again in grad school, which when I can tell oh, you, I definitely okay. read it um, in a children's literature class. And they're like, let's look at this and examine why it's important. Well, and just, I mean, solely for the fact, right off the bat, that it's a f- female and I love one thing I read was that in his first draft of this, he had made Matilda a little bit more wicked. She was a bit more of a devious oh. girl. And re- the, it was not, it did not get a good response, which as it shouldn't, because one of the best things about it is she, she only does tricks. She only plays her tricks when she has to. And to, she's not a little sneaky that's what's so frustrating about when you're reading it. Her, The adults are the ones that are terrible, and she's actually a good child who just wants to read. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it would read as well if she was this, like, sneaky little devious child. No, if she was an asshole for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the book opens um, with a kind of a commentary about parents who think their kids are perfect mm-hmm. um, and how they never are, but about how there's the opposite sometimes where parents of a perfect kid don't recognize them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how Roald Dahl brings us into the Wormwood family. <sighs> who live in a pretty nice house in a British village. I always forget that they have another child. Right? Michael. <laughs> Michael! <laughs> Michael in the musical is amazing. He just pretty much says his name. Yeah. Michael! Michael. <laughs> <laughs> He's played by Mick Jagger in our version. Yes. And, uh, no! Michael! Not funny! Not funny! But, um... And they're they're terrible. Dad's a used car salesman and is and a, a shady sh- like the the epitome of shady. Oh, the epitome used of car shady. Shaman. Yeah, I mean he boldly boasts about like how he put sawdust in the gear shift yeah. thingy and how he's invented the way to run it backwards with drills. I really love that the whole book we've known this, and finally at the end, Miss Honey has to be like. Your dad's a crook. <laughs> yeah. Matilda, everyone knows your dad's a crook. The whole town knows. That's why they're fleeing. Anyways, that's far from now. But yeah, he he's not the most subtle nope. of crooks. No, he's really not great at crooking. Um, and mom is... I, I like book mom and musical mom, but they're different. I like book mom better. Yeah. I, that was actually one of the... The things I was kind of disappointed with in the musical, which I'm sure we'll get to, is how they char- ended up characterizing mm-hmm. the parents, especially the mom. But that was just my personal preference. Yeah. When, what's interesting, because mom in the book is a bi- is addicted to bingo, mm-hmm. which is kind of a passive thing. You just go and you sit in a bingo hall. And yeah. they activated her in the musical by making her a right. ballroom dancer. Which, that's funny. And I get why they made that change. Because that's funny. For a musical. But mom in the book is kind of like full figured and he describes her great about one of those unfortunate figures that like appears to be bulging everywhere and is like strapped in. And she's got that platinum hair. Yeah, whereas Mr. Wormwood is really wiry and skinny and I just picture him having just a really gross mustache. Yeah, ratty little mustache and like teeth protruding. Mm -hmm. Um, So her parents kind of feel like the Tenardiers to me a little bit. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say, because Monsieur Tenardier is described as a little ratty man, mm-hmm. and Madame Tenardier is this, like, big hulking beast, and Mom, Mom Wormwood in this is, like, bigger, and so... But yet she's so meek, and 
and um, just accepting of the way he is. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get the feeling really he really dotes on her. Like, yeah. When Miss Honey comes over to visit, he's... And <laughs> Mrs. Wormwood pulls out that great, you chose looks, I chose... No, the other way. <laughs> you chose books, I chose looks. Oh, yeah. And Miss Honey just stares at her because Miss Wormwood's got like this face with too much makeup and she's not pretty. And Miss Honey's like, what now? Sorry. <laughs> well, and I love how Matilda gets to get both her parents at once when she, the whole prank with the hair dye. Oh, yeah. Because she gets her, her mom's prized peroxide. And not only does she taint that, but then she messes up her dad's hair and it's fabulous. So, yeah, Matilda, we, we go into the Wormwood's house and we kind of meet this awful family with this exceptional little girl who goes to the library every day while her dad's at work and mom's playing bingo and they don't enroll they her in school. They just leave her alone in the house. She's four and a half at this point in the story and her parents are like, bye, see you, kibble. Uh, but so she goes she, to the library yeah. and reads all the kids' books. And the librarian, Mrs. Phelps, who is a treasure. Just can't believe, like, she's like, did you read all the picture books? Or do you like looking at the pictures? Matilda's like, no, I read Great Expectations. She makes me think of my mom. Oh. So I really love her. That's Just nice. like with reading and inspiring kids to read and, and having those kids who you're like, you sure you want to read Charles Dickens? All right, here you go. Here you go. And yeah. trusting them to be able to read at that mm-hmm. higher level because yeah that's the first book she recommends matilda reads like secret garden and then miss and then she asks for like something famous that adults like and uh-huh miss, miss phelps gives her charles dickens um, and then yvette did, so matilda starts to retaliate on her awful parents um because what did dad ripped up the book and that's what made her mm-hmm. do the hair dye trick yes because she it wasn't even her book it was a library book and then um he also gets really angry at her when she's doing all the math in her head. Oh, yeah. And that's what makes her do the ghost, right? The parrot yeah, the chimney. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so funny. So funny. So she's basically decided she's good. Every time her parents do something shitty, she's going to retaliate because she's super smart. Um, so we get through the a trick with a hat. She super glues her dad's head, hat to his head, dyes his hair platinum blonde, and shoves a parrot up their chimney. <laughs> <laughs> to think, make them think it's a ghost. Like you do. Like you do when you're five. Mm-hmm. Yep, just um, shove a parrot up a chimney. <laughs> but eventually our girl Matilda uh, finally gets enrolled in school. Yes. And her teacher is Miss Honey, who is just sweet as pie. Miss Jennifer Honey. But what I love about her is she's she's still, um, she's still got a little grit to her. She's not like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like a Disney princess. Right. Yeah, they're like, she doesn't smile a lot, but the kids still love her. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, there's something a little sad about Miss Honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Miss Honey is the one adult in the story. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Phelps, too. One yes. of the two adults in the story who recognize Matilda's genius. Yes. She finds out she can do, like, all these multiplication tables, that she can spell, that she's read books with chapters, and not and only books foster it. Yeah. And so she goes to the Trunchbull's office and is like, you have to help this little girl. Yeah. Um, and then we meet Miss Trunchbull. That does Trunchbull. not go well. It does not go well. Trunchbull. Oh. What a character in the musical played by a man. Played by a man, a hulking, gigantic man. <laughs> um, which I think is really the only way to portray the character as written because she's a hulking, gigantic woman. But with, not in the way that Mrs. Wormwood is. Like no. in a... She's like a slab of granite. She's like mm-hmm. an Easter Island statue. She's, um, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, I feel like the much more drastic version of her is the woman in Handmaid's Tale. Black? Oh, no, Handmaid's Tale. Um, Aunt Lydia? Yes. Shit, I haven't even seen that, but I just know that's a bad Trunch person. going to grow up to be Aunt Lydia. Because she's like, has her hair in this severe bun, and she's oh, in this like, awful. 
smock over breeches. Like, I just love how they describe her. Like, And just absolutely zero joy about her. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like she doesn't even... It's not like she's even enjoying when she... Gets cake. Gets, yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, her only enjoyment is in hating children. Yeah. And so basically everyone at the school is scared of Miss Trunchbull. And anytime Matilda or her friends run into her, somebody gets picked up by the pigtails and Oh, the thrown. pigtails. That's the worst. Ow! Because what does she do to this the kids? poor little girl. She pigtails Amanda Thrip. Yes, and then uh, the pokey. Uh, and yeah, or the chokey. Or the chokey. Yeah, so she sends kids <laughs> to a box lined with nails and like shards of glass called the chokey. How, how does this woman run a school? I don't know. I think every everybody's scared of her. I think Miss Honey's like, everyone is scared. Yeah. And she's a respected pillar of the community or whatever. Oh, my but God. I, I love when we meet Miss Trunchbull for the first time, though. She's like in raptures over how great Mr. Wormwood is. She was like, he sold me this car, and your dad's a great guy. And yeah, and at first you almost think that maybe she's going to like Matilda. Yeah, and like, then, oh, she liked the Wormwoods. Then she was like, but I heard about that little five-year-old shithead who thinks she can spell. How dare you think you can spell at five? <laughs> Fuck you for spelling. Yeah, and so they they uh, find out there's going to – so there's all those things that she's done to the kids, and then they find out there's um, – Oh, yeah, then the chocolate cake. We didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah. Wait, so she does. She grabs Amanda Thrip by the pigtails and chucks her mm-hmm. in a parabola. And she lands on, like, the oh. fucking football field. She picks up one little dude by Bruce. his hair. A little Bruce. A little... Bruce is the cake Oh, boy. no, Bruce is the cake, cake kid. Yeah, she, uh, she's she got Rupert, Eric, and Nigel, who she torments. Picks him up, Eric, up by his ears. I think Rupert gets picked up by the hair. Um, she enacts all of these horrors on these children. Um, and then... Uh, Matilda's friend Lavender is like, I got an idea for a trick. We're getting her back. We're getting paybacks. And I think Lavender was inspired by like Matilda's paybacks of her parents and all of like the kids standing, or Hortensia. Yes, which that name. (laughs) Come on. Hortensia is an older kid who basically just tells Matilda and Lavender how much, uh, how terrible the Trunchbull is. (laughs) But she does it while spewing out potato chips. Yes. And I was like, that girl is a hero. Just eat those chips and talk that talk. Yeah, girl. Hortensia, tell the truth. (laughs) Um, But so yeah, Lavender is all inspired by Hortensia and Matilda. So she's like, I'm going to play a trick on the Trunchbull. So she gets her like a water jug and a glass. Yeah, because Trunchbull is going to come to the to their room that day. And they know that one of her requirements is that she needs this specific jug of water and a glass. And Miss Honey even tells Lavender she's the one who can get it. And so Lavender decides to get uh, a newt Get a newt. Well. A newt. So she I said salamander and I meant newt. Well, I think aren't newts and salamanders They're very the much same the thing? same, I think. I think, is newt just a British word for salamander? <gasps> I know, I just keep thinking Newt Scamander. Because I feel like that's not an accident, J.K. Rowling. Did you almost Let's name call it? her. Let's call her. Hey, Let's JK. phone a friend. Uh, J.K., we got a question. Anyways, JK Lavender gets in. said that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is one of the top ten books every children's child should read. Oh. So there's totally some J.K. Rowling in here. Yes. Um, well, I, that's interesting because a friend of mine, uh, we were talking about this, asked the question, do you think the Wormwoods are like precursors to the Dursleys? I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. Because they don't listen to Harry. They dote on their shitty kid. Although, mm-hmm. the they kind of dote. Nobody Miss, really dotes on Michael. Mr. Michael. Michael at least likes him. Yeah. Michael. Well, they yeah. They dote on him by not being complete assholes to him. Yeah. <laughs> by doting on, his treatment is neutral. <laughs> at um, best. 
Anyway, so the, the newt, the newt. The newt. Uh, then Lavender puts the newt in a glass, and, or in the, in the jug, but Trenchable pulls it out and freaks out and starts yelling at the kids. And that's when one of Mat- Matilda's miracles kicks in. So she's this smarty little smart smart, and she takes all of her anger and rage and, like, puts it into her eyes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's like little, little hands go boop, and she spills the salamander all over, or the newt. She telekineses it. She telekineses it. <laughs> and Trunchbull's like, I know you didn't. And she's like, I was just sitting here. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a tiny little girl. Boop. But then, of course, she tells Miss Honey. She's like, I telekinesed it. <laughs> telekineses it. Um, and then Miss Honey's like, come over to my my garden shed and have tea. So Miss Honey invites her home. Oh. It's just... The two of them. And Miss Honey invites her home to her little shack in the garden. They basically go down this like ramshackle little lane. And Matilda at five is like, what the fuck? Where are we you going? here? You're a teacher. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like a bare room with like an apple crate for a chair. And Miss Honey does everything off like a camp stove. <laughs> and she tells her her story. Yep. And uh, you find out that there is a connection with her and Trunchbull that is much stronger than we thought. Uh, her father... Miss Honey's father died, um, and Trunchbull had to take her in, and she somewhat suspects that maybe Trunchbull had something to do with her yeah. father's death. Miss Honey's father killed himself, mm-hmm. and she's pretty she she's pretty positive that Trunchbull did it or killed the dad. But Miss Honey's like, I'm not going to say something like that. And Matilda's Matilda with her smart little brain is like, he told she totally killed your dad. Mm-hmm. So Matilda goes home and learns how to manipulate chalk with her little telekinesis. And the next time the Trunchbull's in their classroom, she sends this message from... Oh, the best. The best. From the ghost of her father. Oh, I love it that she fakes a haunting. Bravo, Matilda. Yeah. Like, nothing better than a fake haunting. Nope. Nobody gets bodily injury. She just freaks her out. Yeah. Um, and, and Trunchbull falls over. Faints. And Yeah, because the messages are about how they need to... She needs to give... Miss Honey, everything back and give her her money and yeah, um, and she, all of this. Yeah, it's very like Agatha. Stuff. This is Magnus and uh, Matilda had gotten all that info from Miss Honey about like what her dad's name was and stuff. Uh, that's my wait. Oh, it's really great. It. There's uh, my favorite message. Oh, I thought I bookmarked it. I like um, as when little dude when Miss Trunchbull passes out and somebody throws the water on her. Nigel, Nigel, always ready oh, yeah. for action, leapt up and sees the big jug of water, and he chucks it on Miss Trunchbull's head. And then later, a teacher says, who threw that water on her? I did, said Nigel proudly. Good for you, another teacher said. Shall we get some more? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. The, the chalk writes, Agatha, this is Magnus. This is Magnus. And Trunchbull says, no, it can't be. It can't be Magnus. It is Magnus, and you'd better believe it. <laughs> Matilda's like, bitch, I just said it three times. Listen. Um, so yeah, uh, and that's pretty much the plot of Matilda. Yes. Oh well, except for what happens. Oh. The, so, um, the, Mr. Worm, Wormwood, after all of this time, has finally been found out since he's been scamming everybody for God knows how long, and they decide as a family they're going to flee to Spain, like you do, you know. And Matilda doesn't want to go, and she rushes to Miss Honey's and says, they're going to take me to Spain, and I don't want to go. And you know what? They don't really like me anyway, so can I just live with you? Because I don't think they'll care. And Miss Honey goes to the Wormwoods and asks if Matilda can live with her, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. We have to go. We got to go to Spain. <laughs> they drive away. I just like when Miss Honey, or when Matilda asks, she's like, can I come live with you? Miss Honey's like, that would be heaven. Oh. 
Oh. And she loves her so much. Yes. Yeah. That this it was a it was a perfect ending to the story. It's like, so great. I, I'm glad the Wormwoods didn't get killed because they were awful, but I don't feel like they should have been squashed by a peach no. or something. I mean, who knows what's going to happen to them in Spain? Nothing good. Um, yeah, that won't be great, but... How do you say Michael in Spanish? Miguel! 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 See, uh. <laughs> <Si>. No! Not funny! <laughs> I don't know how to say not funny in That's Spanish. That's like us doing John Blaney, doing in Spanish, doing Matilda. Was- I... That was a lot of layers of jokes. But it was really good. And I feel like somebody's laughing out there. You're welcome. Um, so, <laughs> characters. Like, who did you like? Who did you yeah. not like? Yeah. Well, I, I definitely, like, but the Sucks Here Asmar Award goes to Trunchbull for sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. the Wormwoods come a close second, but there's still things about that. Like, Trunchbull is just awful. She's, like, aggressive, and the Wormwoods are just self-absorbed. She should. She could work in the White House right now. Oh, Jesus Christ. She could be the education secretary. I feel like she couldn't be worse than the one we have right now. But, uh, yeah, so that's definitely my least favorite character. Oh, yeah. Um, Sucks hands down. Uh, it's a to- it's a toss-up. Well, it's a toss-up with three. I mean, I love Matilda, of course. Um, love Miss Honey. But I, there's really something special to be about but Mrs. Phelps, if I'm going to pick, like, a... That's really nice. Well, I just... I I really love that part of the book so much when she's going back and forth to the library and I just there's something really special about that to me because I feel like it's really a special thing when adults inspire children to read. And also she just left Matilda like on her own. She's like, yeah. you want to go sit in that chair and read for two hours? You Great. go, girl. You do it. Let's do it. Yeah, so I really like her. I I really like Matilda and Miss Honey. I think they're really, really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so... I feel like as a teacher, like when I interact with students, I'm like slightly cooler, Miss Honey, because I, I feel like I'm nice to kids and talk to them on their level. But were I a parent, I would be Miss Wormwood as fuck. <laughs> I, I was like, that's my parenting style. Go to bingo and leave my five-year-old at home, which is why I don't have kids. Exactly. <laughs> this is probably why I'm not having children. Uh, there's a soft spot somewhere. It's not in my heart for the Wormwoods, but I really love how awful they are. Why do I like awful people? I love them. Because they're fun and entertaining to read when you don't have to actually deal with them. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's constant food for thought of like, how did they get to this place? How did they, how? How did they become these like shells of adults? Um, Yeah. They're just awful humans. Yep. And I feel like they're spectacularly awful but I feel like if we went looking hard enough, we could probably find a set of parents like this. Like oh. when your greatest joy is scamming people by selling them bunk used cars, like, it's pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Mr. Wormwood, I don't think you're the first person to figure out that running a drill backwards is going to take mileage off. Did you not see Ferris Bueller's day off? Thank you. Come on. Would your sucks here ask my award go to Miss Trenchable as well? Oh, ah. <laughs> Sucks to your ass, Mar. I think it would. It kind of has to. Because she's, she's just the worst. She's um, the worst. She's the worst kind of person. Uh, but I, there's also all of these little ratty kids in Matilda's oh. class, along with their illustrations. And I think here we can jump back to Quentin Blake. Because um, almost all of Roald Dahl's books are illustrated by Quentin Blake, as we mentioned earlier. And... Just the way he illustrates all of them. Like, Amanda Thripp and her pretty little pigtails. Like, she's cute, but she's still a pointy-faced little kid. Yes. I know. Their noses kill me. Oh, I love them. 
But yeah, when she, um, the way he illustrates the kids getting horribly tortured. And I just love their little British names, Nigel and Rupert and Hortensia. And let me tell you, the audiobook, which <gasps> the Kate Winslet audiobook is so good. And in the parts where she's playing a bunch of the kids, these voices she's doing are just hysterical. I love her little voice for Matilda. Oh, yes, her little, she's got it down here. It's very low, Daddy. Yes. Daddy. Oh, yes. Just, I know, uh, it's so good. I actually was really upset because it's very popular. I should have just bought it, the audiobook. But I had it on hold for forever, and I got it. And then I only listened to I only got like three quarters of the way through it, and I had to return it. Did you get it two days ago? Because that's when my hold went up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kept renewing it. Ah. Yeah. yeah. No, the audiobook, I highly recommend it. I mean, even, if, even if you've read this book before, doesn't matter. Listen, Kate Winslet is a delight. She is wonderful. She reads it so well. Yeah, uh-huh. it's fantastic. Well, so, like, favorite part-wise, what part of the book do you like oh, the best? There's so many good payoff moments with her tricks. Um, I mean, I love her scenes of the library, but I feel like I already talked about that with Miss, my love of Miss Phelps. I think I like when she uh, whips the kid around by the pigtails. When Amanda Thripp just comes up, and she's like, my mommy does them. She says I look pretty. And Trunchbull's like, wah, your mommy's an idiot. And basically just grabs her by the hair and whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I do love the uh, the the whole Newt prank and everything surrounding it that is all set up so well. I really uh, like that. It's really, really wonderful. I also do like, actually, I take it back. Uh, her first, Matilda's first day of school and when she's spelling all of the words and Miss Honey is just in disbelief over this little child spelling these enormous words. Yeah, I do love that every answer to Miss Honey's questions, like, well, have you read books? Have you read picture books? Like, mm-hmm. every question gets an answer to, like, the nth degree. Yeah. Like, no, I've done all kinds of shit. Yeah. Do you like hiking? I've climbed Everest. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> and that Matilda's so unassuming about it. She doesn't know how special right, she is. Right, right. Well, that's the thing about her, too, I, that I enjoy. She's not a snob. Like, she's not a snotty little kid. Um, yeah. There's so uh, many scenes to love because I pretty much love the whole book. Well, you know, uh, this book is really violent. Like, mm-hmm. it has a lot of violence towards kids. And in the BBC podcast I listened to, in his own words, Roald Dahl was talking about that. And he's like, I... He's like, it's corporal punishment because of what he dealt with at boarding school. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I do have violent things happen to people in my books. The aunties get squished by a peach in James and the Giant Peach. Like, kids are thro- picked up by their ears, thrown around by their pigtails in this book. Um, and he was like, but every moment of violence needs to have kind of a funny button. And if you notice, none of his violence is like gets a kid getting caned on the butt. All of his violence is comedic and larger than life. Yes. So he doesn't have violent acts that could happen. And nobody gets shot with a gun or stabbed with a knife. No. People get thrown by the pigtails. This isn't like the Lord of the Flies violence. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Why'd you bring that up? Why? I was just over it. I know. Oh, sorry. Flashbacks. Um, I have PTSD from that book. That's why. But I don't remember having a lot of discussions about this book in school. I feel like this was no. a, a good read, but it wasn't like a go write an essay on it and find mm. symbolism. Yeah, I feel like I I read it because I chose to read it, but that I also had a lot of friends. Well, and that's the other thing that, that just hit me now. It's like, okay, if this came out in 88 and mm-hmm. I read it probably just a couple of years later, I didn't realize I was reading this when it was so new. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a new book. Um, but I, so I think it was popular in that regard. And then the movie was popular too, I remember. Mm-hmm. 
People are still really into that movie. Mm-hmm. She is delightful on Twitter, by the way. Yes. Mara Wilson, right? Yes. Fuck, follow her on Twitter because she is sassy. Yeah, and she is. Takes no shit from anybody. Uh-huh. At, like, just like just a grown-up like Matilda. Matilda. Just like you would expect. Well, you know, because this is the 30th year. Yes, which is amazing. Yeah, so it's the 30th anniversary of Matilda. And did you see the thing about Quentin Blake doing updated covers for Matilda as a grown as an adult? No. It's like Matilda as a, an explorer. Matilda as like an airplane or an aerodynamic engineer. Or, oh, that's great. I'll, we'll link to that in Twitter too because it's all of the, her just all in these all, these amazing careers. Well, I remember uh, what happened with the statue. What, what happened with the Wasn't statue? Wasn't there, um, didn't they set up a Matilda statue that was, it was like the fearless girl but mm-hmm. it was Matilda? Yeah. That was in the West End, right? Yeah. She's, she's great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, discussion question. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go oh, first? Oh, sure. I want to know if you ever pranked adults, any adults as a kid that you can remember. A teacher, preferably. Or if you... Uh, it wasn't a good <laughs> prank. In in fourth fourth grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Patrick who was really nice, but she's one of those people we talked about earlier who kind of is like a Disney princess mm. and talks down to kids. And I remember we were doing arts and crafts, making paper mache fucking hot air balloons to like decorate the ceiling, and we had this jar of Elmer's glue just sitting there, Uh-oh. like a big like milk milk carton full of it. Yeah, and it was sitting in like a bucket, so it was like not going to spill. But I remember I had like a push pin, and I was like, what would happen? Boop. And I like just jammed the push pin into the glue or like the paper mache solution. And my teacher found it like 10 minutes later and lost her shit. <laughs> like nothing happened. It didn't spill. It didn't do anything. Like the push pin basically was like a puncture wound. Like it's fit state. If you don't pull the puncture, the object yeah. out of the puncture wound, it's not going to bleed. So, and she like went off and she was like, whoever did this should be whipped with a wet noodle. And I was like, what now? Like, that stuck with me after that. I was like, whipped with a wet noodle? Where the fuck are you from? Who says that for real? A Disney princess fourth grade teacher, I guess. What is your prank? I'm just going to go home and bite my My pillow. Um, I didn't really ever do a lot, but I, in sixth grade, I was my, like, biggest asshole year, and we had this teacher, this poor teacher, who was... It was his first year teaching. And oh, no. looking back on it now, I'm, like, ashamed of myself. But at the time, I was in sixth grade. And we would just do, like, smart-ass things. Like, I remember the biggest one that stands out is um, he, told, <laughs> he told us all to stay on task. So we wrote the word task on a piece of paper and just were, like, standing on it. Like, well, I'm on task. So, like, just shit like that. And my mom was a teacher at the time, and she, I, she was furious with me. Always. Of course. Um, because I was a little jerk. Yeah. Did, was she a teacher at your same school? Not at that time. Okay. No. So she didn't know the teacher that you were torturing? No. <laughs> yeah, we were such assholes. I feel bad. Um, Mr. Penny, if you're out there. P-E-N-N-Y? Yes. I mean, he had that. It, it, that already was a problem. Yeah. He's already You're teaching sixth grader. I mean, come on. And your name is Mr. Penny? I know. Like, you sound like you should be in a Roald Dahl book. I know. But I'm kind sorry. of as like a derp. I'm sorry. But yeah, I, uh, I feel really bad about that. I feel like Mr. Penny had ginger hair and ears that stuck out. Is that true? He did not. Balls. But that would have been better. That would, <laughs> If he were in a Roald Dahl book, that's how Quentin Blake would illustrate him. Exactly. Um, What's so your question? My question is a teacher uh, who had impact on you, both a positive teacher and a negative teacher. Who's your oh. trunch bowl? Who's your Miss Honey? Oh. Mm. 
I was pretty lucky with teachers because I actually liked school. So I, uh, I had a fifth grade teacher who was probably my Miss Trunchbull, um, Mrs. Haley. She was just, uh, she was just, she was just like quietly mean. Like it might be why I rebelled so hard the next year Mm -hmm. because she was just, she just seemed like somebody who didn't enjoy teaching kids. Um, and, but for someone who had, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but my high school theater teacher was was probably the biggest. Oh no, you're honey. Sorry. I got it mixed up because I had always done theater and stuff, but it wasn't until I got to high school that Mr. Akers, very inspiring teacher. Aww. Led me down the path I'm on now Huzzah. with my bachelor's degree in theater, so maybe I shouldn't be thanking him. But uh, but yeah, no. But I was really lucky with teachers. I had a lot of really great English teachers and stuff. And yeah, How about I, you? I can't remember like hating somebody. No, like I didn't want to go to their class. Yeah, that's why I feel like that fifth grade teacher I had is the closest thing I had to that. But like my problems at school were always with other kids, not with yeah. teachers. I think my best teacher was in. Fifth grade, I had a teacher named Mr. Yance, who was amazing. He went to UCLA, and he always had UCLA shit all over his classroom, (laughs) and we all had to like UCLA, too. And he was, like, the cool male teacher, and I don't even know how old he was when I had him, because teachers feel so old. Right. But then when you look back on, like, our friends. they're, like, my age. Or your husband's age. Right. Because your husband is a teacher. Right. Um, No, he was just a great teacher, and he's still... Dude, he's still on my birthday. Sends me a Facebook message. Oh, Right? What a good guy. What a great guy. He's a great guy. Um, and I remember in seventh grade, there, we had a chemistry teacher named Mr. Medina who gave me my first ever detention. And I remember flipping my shit because I did not get detention. And he's like, you're staying after school and you're going to have detention. And I freaked out and I like had to call my grandma. And I was like, you can't come pick me up at normal time because I have detention? And she's like, okay, whatever. And then we like got to <laughs> detention and then he was like, no, I'm not giving you guys detention. That was just to scare you. And I was like, but I already called my grandma. And then I had to call, you can come pick me up. <laughs> so like, that was, was the world's shortest detention. It was a really traumatic day. I don't think you should give fake detentions. No. It hurts people's brains. Yeah, um, I agree. Why did we have to read this? I think uh, it's important to expose kids to like a totally different world than other children's books they're reading. And I think this is the way to do it. If if not this, with any Ruel dolls world. book. Um, I think it teaches good lessons about how adults aren't always right and... You have you have the power inside you all along. Oh, it was right there inside me. Huh? Yeah. Um, I, in one of my many researchy places that I can't cite because I didn't write it down, somebody was talking about how you know Matilda wasn't a weak little passive feminine heroine. Mm-hmm. You know, because mo- a lot of protagonists we have a lot of boys. We have Pip. We have Jim Hawkins. We have the fucking Hardy Boys. Um, but she is a female protagonist who's not weak and like kind of takes her fate into her own hands. You know, she doesn't fight to be a jerk, but she's just like, don't fuck with me. She's a tiny little girl and yet she's a badass. She's a little social activist and I love her. It's great. (laughs) Um, Film and TV. Oh yeah. We've kind of gone over the movie a little bit, but yeah, it was very popular. Came out in 1996. Directed by Danny DeVito and he and Rhea Perlman played the worm once. Oh man. Classic. Like, like, not what I would picture based on the Quentin Blake. No, but they're good for it. They're great for it. Yeah. I don't remember Trunchbull very well. I don't either. 
Um, but I do remember her in the musical. Oh, yeah. Well, there was another musical earlier in like 1994 oh. that got mixed reviews and I think toured around to England. But the one that was released in 2010 is um, by Tim Minchin. I love Tim Minchin. He's so smart. Yes, and so funny. <laughs> Um, and Huge the, vocabulary. And, yeah, the lyrics reflect that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many words. Oh. I got to see it when it came through. I think you maybe were the one who helped get me tickets. I probably got you some Either seats. you or Billy Dutton. One of us. When it came through the Buell a couple years ago, a few years ago, whenever that was. It was really, really good. Yeah. Um, our friend, or mainly Jeff, my husband's friend, played Mr. Wormwood on that tour. Oh, nice. And I, ever since we decided we were doing this book this summer, I was like, I need to get an interview with Quinn. I did not get an interview <sighs> with Quinn. August, September, October, November, four months went by. I didn't do it. Actually, I know someone who's playing Mr. Wormwood now. What? Yes. Well, and then the Broadway Mr. Wormwood is an old Denver guy, Gabe Ebert from Denver School of the Arts. We've got Mr. Wormwoods everywhere. Oh, everywhere. That's a terrifying thought. those long, thought. lanky actors. Oh, fuck. With that those we ugly know. suits. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, think, I don't think it's ever been like a children's play. Um, I don't think so either. I couldn't find any... Mm-mm. Just straight plays of it. No, and unfortunately, it was never referenced on The Simpsons Sadly, that we know no. of. Although Lisa is kind of a tiny Matilda. Yes, I mean her her parent Homer's just dumb um, and not an asshole. But yeah, Lisa is definitely the Matilda of the family. Um, anything else? Anything else, Matilda? I don't think so. Uh. I think that pretty much covers her. She's she's a good good kid. That Matilda. <laughs> She's a good kid. Hey, Matilda, you're all right. Uh, if you had to adopt a kid from the book and you couldn't adopt Matilda, which one would you adopt? Oh, jeez. Probably the one who eats all the cake. Yeah, Bruce. 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 I know. I told Jessica, I said, we've really failed here. We should have had to eat a chocolate cake during the course of this podcast. I would have even eaten a gluten-free one. It would have been so good. What um, was wrong with us? I don't know. I love Bruce, though. I love just Bruce. how he defeats her with his giant tum-tum. Yeah, he's like, listen... I'm sorry, bitch. You want me to eat a cake? I'll eat a cake. I'll eat this fucking cake. Fuck yeah, cake. Yeah, I wish he had just puked all over her desk or something, too. Just projectile vomit. Just vomit cake everywhere. But alas, he did But yeah, I think I'd adopt Bruce. How about you? I want I want Rupert, the one with the oh. hair. Oh! Who's like, ah! Just a little spaz. Just a little spaz. She yanks him up by his hair. Uh, I don't know why I like that child. I do also like Amanda Thripp. Yes. My mommy says I'm pretty. Boom. That was, uh, what's the little girl's name who eats all the uh, the potato chips? Oh, that's Hortensia. Hortensia, yeah. Her, Kate Winslet's Hortensia voice is so good. On point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, I can't even do it. She's oh, no. choking on uh, chips and talking with her mouth full. Okay, it has so, a little bit of a lisp and it's perfect. So people need to go listen to the Kate Winslet uh-huh. audiobook. Uh, go see the musical because yes. it's awesome. And watch the Danny DeVito movie. Just immerse yourself in Matilda for like a week. Wouldn't it be nice? Let's just hang out with this little girl. And yeah, then... and then go to storyarts.com where I got your Les Mis I scarf. Love my Les Mis scarf. They have a Matilda collection now. They do? And I want to buy everything. Oh no. Um, I believe it's this illustration too. The cover. I love it. Her sitting there on yeah. And all I kind of wanted to buy it. Maybe I'll get myself a pillow. How many books do you think you'd have to read to really get telekinetic powers? Like a million. Yeah, that is my one question with this. Like, what do you think the deal with was with her powers? Like, she just was able to harness them 
by her choice or did they really just come to her when she needed them and then once she moved in with Miss Honey, she didn't need them anymore? Uh, I have two opinions on that. I, I, I buy what Miss Honey was saying, that it was like, Matilda, you're so bored uh, in my class that all your brain power needs somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. So it's going to kind of go through your rage and you're going to be able to push stuff. So like, we're not using your brain enough. Um, but I think there's also like, you, you know, like you hear about those moms who like get, there's a car on one of their kids and they get superhuman strength and they lift it up. So part of me is like, well, is did Matilda get her powers as like a defense mechanism? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she is happy, she doesn't need them anymore. Yep. I remember when I was a kid, I saw this, um, it was in class, I think it was third grade, this picture a, a kid drew of like a carousel horse. And it was a kid who was mute and deaf, I believe, and couldn't describe or hear. So this child was just like an amazing drawing prodigy. And then um, the child had like an operation to either allow them to hear and they began to speak. And then they showed us a drawing of after and the child couldn't draw anymore because <gasps> she didn't need it to communicate. So she let that skill go. Oh. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that was like what Matilda was mm-hmm. going through. I kind of lean that, lean towards that as well. Um, but I would like to have telekinetic powers because I would fuck with people like yes. crazy. Yes. Uh, this is a bonus disc question. If you had telekinetic powers, what is the first thing you would do? Oh, shit. That's not going to get us arrested. Yeah. Or the, F- or the Secret Service is not going to come through that door. Oh, my gosh. You have to go. You have to go first because you seem like you've thought about it. Uh, I to think about what I would move <laughs> with my mind. I think I would probably use it to get better parking spaces. I would move a car the fuck out of my parking space <laughs> and park there. I don't know where I would put the car. Maybe on the roof of a building, but that's totally what I would do. I love it. I. Um, <laughs> I'd probably just, just for fun, try something really ridiculous. Like, can I make a martini with my mind? <laughs> like, make myself a drink? Can I be your official videographer as you do that? Yes. And we can just have, like, martini fail after martini fail. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, walk around town and see if any people have had things fall on them and I'll move them. That's nice of you. You know, get maybe a good, good, good Samaritan then go make myself a drink. That's nice. There I was go. just like, I would get better parking. So fuck you guys. Hey, that's cool too. Right? I love parking. Um, it's, <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. It does. Uh, oh, speaking, speaking of, of gifts. <laughs> don't keep on giving. Speaking of gifts in the holiday season, uh, we're going to have a, like, a little treat of an episode that will come to you in the form of the gift of the Magi. By oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. What have you done? You really just Not just up. a delicious candy bar. Also a pen name for an author. Uh, and a type of comic irony, apparently. Sure. I was like, why are we calling it comic irony? Uh, yeah. It's horrible. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, this story's super short, you guys. Like, six pages long. And it's a free PDF. And it's for online. free. So go on the interwebs, Google. Like, so short that I had to triple check that it was actually the full length of the story. Yeah, the one I got was like six pages. Yeah. Um, Gift of the Magi, M-A-G-I, by O. Period. Henry, um, look it up, download a PDF, uh, and come join us next time as we talk about just the biggest bummer of a holiday shopping story yeah. ever. Yeah, you want to you wanna divert your attentions from your own holiday shopping? Yeah, th- these guys will make your whole... Here um, you go. 
Your Amazon wish list isn't so good. Don't worry. These fuckers have it worse. But yeah, and then uh, check out that Netflix. I'm I'm really excited about that Netflix series to come out. Or or is it a series? Or I like, what's the whole deal? I think they're just animating the, all of his stuff. Ruel so. doll Ruel. It's Norwegian. Ruel. Um, but yeah, this was good times. Oh, good times spent with Ruel doll. And if you've never read Matilda, now's your chance. And then just go for What like, should they read next after Matilda? That's Ruel doll. One I was talking about earlier that I can't believe I forgot was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Which is such a good movie. Which is a delightful Wes Anderson movie. Um, so I'll vote that because the book's also really great. Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox, read that next and uh, pick up Gift of the Magic and make yourself sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but another news, uh, stay gold, Wormwood family. Stay gold, Lavender. <laughs> stay gold, Newt Salamander. Stay gold, Mrs. Phelps and all your books. Oh, stay gold, uh, dead Mr. Honey. <laughs> stay gold, Bruce's ironclad stomach. <laughs> stay gold, Michael! <laughs> Stay gold, Jessica. Stay gold, Lauren. Thank you for listening to Required Readcast. If you enjoyed the show, head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating and or review. We're also available on Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at REQ Readcast. Required Readcast is produced by Sexpot Comedy. Theme music and lyrics by Max McEwen and Noah Evan Wilson. Vocals by Aaron C. Willis. Stay, Stay gold, gold, bookworms! This has been a Sex Pot Comedy Joint. Collaborative, community-driven comedy produced by Andy Jewett and Kayvon Kalitvari. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, with technical support from Isaac Miller. Every day at sexpotcomedy.com or at a show near you. Until next time, be well, friends. 